0: And we're going to keep thinking about the one that we've been singing about as we go through the Gospel of Mark. And if you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 7, Mark is one of the four Gospels that presents the story of Jesus. And as we look at these pages, as we look at these stories, this morning just a a short um, incident in his life, which is amazing, which relates to every single one of us in some way. Um, we have this great privilege because God has given us his word. And this morning, we're going to start the reading from verse 24 of Mark chapter 7. Again, remembering that Mark wrote this so that we could understand who Jesus, the Son of God, is. And this is a great, great statement about him. Verse 24. Verse 24. Jesus left that place and they had been around the Sea of Galilee and went to the vicinity of Tyre, about 40 miles walk. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit Came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Now, this is a great and terrible story. He would have got canceled for that today. Because he was he was using the situation, the circumstances of his day, and 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 playing into them so that people could understand the truth. And the situation of his day was ugly. I I saw some of this ugliness when I first moved to Georgia um, when I was in eighth grade. My, uh, my sophomore year of high school, I got to um, represent one of the clubs of our school to go to a Georgia Tech football game to um, clean up after the game, but because I was going to be a part of the crew that was clean up, I got to go to the game for free, and they were playing Notre Dame. Okay, now, to you, that's, Ugh. to me, that's where I grew up. And I love those guys. Now, I've never been a Catholic, never will be a Catholic. Never appreciated Catholicism in that sense, but I love Notre Dame. And they were playing Notre Dame, and halfway through the third quarter of that game, Georgia Tech was losing something like—I think the end of the game it was 31 to seven, but something, it was like 24 to nothing or something at that point. And the student body section of Georgia Tech Stadium started chanting. Go to H-E-Double Hockey Sticks, Georgia. Go to Georgia H-E-Double Hockey Sticks, Georgia. Now, I was thinking, wait a minute, Georgia's not playing this game. This is Notre Dame. They're thinking about, they're thinking about Georgia. They're thinking about the Georgia Bulldogs, and they're, they're getting beat by Notre Dame. They didn't care that they were getting beat by Notre Dame. All they cared about was hating Georgia. And I thought, this is a weird place and I came to fully understand it. Right now, as we speak, there's a game tomorrow night, and most of us here are from Georgia, and some of us in these seats are not gonna be rooting for Georgia because they're rooting for Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's not in this game, but that doesn't matter. All right? Is their sworn duty as Georgia Tech student or alumni or fans to hate Georgia no matter what the circumstances. That's the reality of where we live. The reality of where Jesus lived was Jews and Gentiles or Greeks hated each other. Worse than George and Georgia Tech hate each other. They really hated each other. To the point that it was normal for a Jewish leader to refer to Gentiles as dogs, like trash dogs, like dogs at the junkyard, at the, at the trash heap, dogs. They hated each other. They had no respect, understanding, appreciation for each other at all. And so Jesus goes up to Tyre with his disciples, Remember, as, you, as, as we've been following through the story, at various times, he's, he's trying to get away from the crowds to be with his disciples and just to rest and just reflect. And everywhere they go, there's just these crowds. And so finally he goes up to Tyre where there aren't gonna be any crowds. There's not gonna be anybody that knows that much about him yet. He knew, this, he knew that she was up there though. Because remember, he knows everything. He gets up there and they're trying to take a break. They're taking it easy. And she comes and says, could you help my daughter? Ima- imagine, as a mother, what she's going through with her daughter in this condition. And she says, would you cast a demon on my daughter? And Jesus, knowing the circumstances, she's a Greek, she's not Jewish. And remember what the angel told Joseph? You're supposed to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins, talking about the Jews and Jesus came first for the jews that was the that was the that was the priority that was the order of things now remember he came for everybody. Simeon said that did you catch Simeon's statement when Jesus is just a baby simeon this this tremendously faithful old man who who the the Spirit of God said, hey, I'm going to let you live until you see the the Messiah. And he's holding the baby, and he said, I can die now because I'm looking at my salvation. He said that this baby was going to be a light of revelation for the Gentiles. Did you hear that? Did you see him say that? Jesus was for everybody. But his priority, his first priority was to announce the salvation that He is bringing in Himself to the Jews, and so in keeping with the culture, and giving her this tremendous opportunity, because that's what He was doing by saying what He said. He said, "Hey, I, I'm here to I'm here to minister to my disciples right now, and uh, it, it wouldn't be right for me to give what what's prepared for the children. Wouldn't be right for me to give it to their." to their dogs, they're, they're, and he wasn't using the, the, the really nasty dogs like the Jewish leaders usually did, but he's still talking about the difference between the Jewish people, the chosen people of God, and the Gentiles, the, rebe- the, the rebels against God. Now, remember, many of the Jews were also rebels against God, even as his chosen people. And he, he addressed that issue a lot. But in this case, he said, that wouldn't be right. And he, in her response, is amazing. She didn't just get discouraged and walk away, forget about her her daughter, figure something else out. She knew who he was. She had heard. The word had gotten to her. She believed that he was the Messiah, the one that the Jews were waiting on to come and save them. She believed that that's who he was. She believed that he had the power to help her daughter. Now, she had never been to an evangelistic meeting. She had never walked down an aisle. And she had never been been given a tract that explained how she could receive Jesus. She had never received any of that stuff. She just heard about him, heard about what he'd been doing, and she believed that he was the one. And so she makes this amazing statement. Yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs off the table. He says, now that, that is faith. That, fellas, is what I've been talking about. Said, the demon's gone, Your, your daughter's fine. And she was fine, too, because she believes in Jesus. And I, say, and I still use the word, the present tense, believes, because if you believe what the Word of God says, oh, she's been long gone from Tyre, but she's been a long time in glory, still alive because this one that she believed in is the risen Christ the one who conquered death and offers life to every single person who believes, including Gentiles. And aren't we glad about that this morning? Because most of us don't have a drop of Jewish blood in our lives, in our bodies, all right? We are counting on the truth of this reality, of this, of this promise that Jesus came not only for the Jews, but also for women like this Syrophoenician woman who believed in Jesus. Now, that doesn't take away the fact that he came first and foremost for the Jews. Do you remember what Paul said in uh, in Romans 1 when he makes this this tremendous statement about the gospel? Uh, Let me read it to you. You can turn if you want to or look it up in your device. But Romans chapter 1 makes this great statement. Some of us have this memorized, and if not, it's would be a great one to memorize, and t- 2023 would be a great year to memorize some Bible verses. Romans 1:16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the story that we're reading here this morning, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. That was still true when Paul was, when Paul was ministering. This was after Jesus' crucifixion, after his resurrection, after his ascension. Paul's still saying the same thing, just like Jesus said it. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. The gospel is still important for the Jew. We need to remember that. That hasn't changed. If, if we have Jewish friends, Jewish colleagues, Jewish neighbors, whatever the case we need to be praying for them just like we're praying for any other person in our neighborhood, our school or our office or whoever we're praying for. We need to pray for our our Jewish friends who don't know who don't know Jesus yet. They need him, and God still has a a strong desire to see them come to faith. He's still working in their lives just like he was then. now remember in Jesus day. Most of the Jews that heard about him did not believe in him. That's why in the Gospel of John, in in the first chapter, he starts out the Gospel explaining these things. He's talking about how great Jesus is, but he said, but he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But he made this statement. But to those who did receive him, so some of them did, to those who believed on his name, that's what it means to receive him, to believe on his name. He gave the right to become the children of God. And thankfully, and John also reminds us of a a statement that Jesus made and he puts it in John 10, 16, where he says this, I have other sheep who are not of this fold, speaking of the the Jewish people. He said, they're also going to hear my voice and follow me. A a great statement that, that yes, he came first for the Jews, Reaching the Jews for, with the gospel is important; is a priority for him. But also, there there's another flock that he's going to bring into the fold to to become his children. That is the Gentiles. That is those of us here, like us this morning, who don't who don't have any Jewish blood. That doesn't matter. Although that's of great advantage because of the great blessings that God has poured out of the Jewish people, and 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 even has some extra eternal. Um, rewards for them, it doesn't matter, even if we don't have any Jewish blood in us, if we believe, he'll bring us into that same family. We praise God for that this morning, that he's given us that opportunity. The church, the local church, but also in in more, uh, more accurately, the larger church, Remember, the larger church is all believers in Jesus. No matter what the, the denomination might, might, might be called, whether they're Baptists or Methodists or, you know, Catholic, any believing church in Jesus, present, you know, presenting Jesus as the, the only way of salvation. And there's some, some of all these different denominations that do and some of all these different denominations that don't. But all of those who believe in Jesus, no matter what their, their, their label or denomination, all of them are the church. And one of the great, exciting things to God and to the angels in heaven, we'll, we'll, I'll show you this in Ephesians 3 in just a minute, one of the great things that excites God and, and the angels in heaven is that his church is made up of both Georgia Tech and Georgia, It's hard to imagine that. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine Ron Young living next door to Dan Smith for all eternity. <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to be living next door, but they could. It's going to be like that, though. Our next-door neighbor in heaven may very well be of some people group that we have nothing right now in common with. And maybe even at some point in, in, in time in history has been an enemy of ours. One of the great excitements for God and his, and his angels in heaven is that in the church, there are Jews and Gentiles sitting together, singing together, praising him together, working and serving together. It's an amazing thing. I want, to, I want you to turn with me and Sorry I didn't give you this for the the screen, but look at Ephesians chapter three. This is an amazing statement about what God has done and is doing through his church. And it shows you the importance of both of these groups of people being reached with the gospel. And we can't assume just because somebody is Jewish that they're, they're so far from believing in Jesus because most Jews don't believe that he was the Messiah, that they're so far gone that, that we can't reach them. Don't think that. We can't think that about anybody. Everybody needs to hear who Jesus is and what he came to do. And, and messages like the, the one that we have in Mark 7, it's a great thing to, to share with somebody. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. He had just been speaking about God saving both Jews and Gentiles. And he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. The the Ephesian church was made up of mostly Gentiles. He says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, speaking to Gentiles. Because Paul being a, and Paul was a big time Jew. He was a a Pharisee. He He was one of the one of the guys that people would step back on when he walked by and, you know, so, ooh, now that, that guy's a, that's a godly guy. He, he follows the rules. You know, he, he really knows God. They had that kind of respect for him before he met Jesus, before he started following Jesus. So he had this special gift that God had given him as an apostle to the Gentiles. Even though he was a strong Jewish man, he was reaching out to the Gentiles. And he, and he goes on to say then in verse 3, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it is now being revealed, as it has now been revealed by the spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body and shares together in the promises in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles. I love this this phrase. The unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Now listen to this. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, angelic beings, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus Our Lord, he is using the church to reveal to the angels the amazing power of the gospel. The angels have been watching all of human history. They they watched as God called out a people for himself, the Jewish nation, Israel. They watched as he did that, and they watched as Israel blew all their chances, kept rebelling against God, but God, remaining faithful to his promise, kept them them together, kept them alive, even through judgment, huge judgments, terrible judgments. There was always a remnant of Jewish people that still believed that he was going to bring a Messiah, the Messiah that we're singing about this morning. They kept believing. Simeon was one of that remnant. Kept believing that the Messiah was coming, but in all that history, the non-Jews hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the non-Jews. Very similar to today. We still, in our, not even thinking about the Middle East, not even thinking about present-day Palestine and Israel, just thinking about the news in the United States. Rarely a day goes by when we don't hear something about anti-Semitism. Non-Jews are still picking on Jews. And in, in some cases, in terrible ways. It's still, it's still happening. But God did something amazing. He made the church. He made the church of, of believers in Jesus Christ. And he made it up of Jews and Gentiles. And the angels are going, amazing! After all we've seen, after what we've been watching... He said this was gonna happen because you see traces of this throughout the Old Testament. What Simeon was saying is, is, is a kind of a semi-quote of Isaiah because Isaiah talked also about the, about the gospel or about the, the Messiah being a light of revelation to the Gentiles. This wasn't, it wasn't completely secret, but it was a mystery that was concealed. And now it's both Jews and Gentiles together. That, that society that was so split up as Jesus was talking to this woman in need, that, that breach, that barrier, that wall, that, that obstacle has been overcome by the work of Christ and the power of the gospel that everybody who believes, whether Jew or Gentile, and yes, Again, the Jew should still have, we should still be reaching out to the Jewish people. One of the the exciting things uh, that I received from the trip that we were able to take, thank you again, um, to Israel last October was being able to do it uh, with Murray Tillis and his wife who who live here in in Georgia in Roswell He's Jewish, and he's a believer in Jesus. And to spend two weeks with him, watching him witness to the Jewish people, to see his heart for the Jewish people, to to see his understanding of of the fact that there's still a priority in God's plan for the Jewish people to hear the gospel. It's still our responsibility as the church to keep that witness alive, just like Jesus did. Jesus didn't shut the wisdom, the, the the witness down here. You might think he was shutting it down by saying what he said, but he wasn't. He knew the faith that woman had, he knew the response she was going to bring, and he knew this was going to be eye-opening for all of us, even today. Reading this account. He let his disciples, and it was important for them to know this, because these guys, these were his apostles. These are the ones that he was going to send out after he after he died, and after he rose again and ascended to heaven. He was going to use these guys to get the gospel out, and they did. We're here as a result. But they needed to hear this. They needed to know this, because this was going to be a hard thing for them. They were going to be witnessing and leading people to faith in Jesus to Gentiles. That was going to be a big part of their ministry. The apostle Paul, certainly, but all of them were going to be ministering the gospel to Gentiles, and that was going to be hard for them. Do you remember he's introducing this concept again after his, after his ascension through a dream to Peter? Do you remember Peter's dream when he was on the roof of that house in Joppa? He's dreaming, and this sheet comes down from heaven, and it's filled with what the Old Testament called unclean animals. And the Lord told, Paul, told Peter to kill and eat. And Peter, as he often did when Jesus was alive in 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 this life, would say, "No." Something we're not supposed to say to the one whose title is the Lord. You know, like there were there were you know children aren't supposed to say that to parents either. And I remember there was a season in life when Samuel would say no to me occasionally, and our daughter asked me one time. Dad, when, was, when did no become an option? <laughs> it's not. It's not an option. But we do it anyway. And Peter did that. He said, no. I can't do that. I've been raised better than that. I'm not eating that food. The law tells me not to do that. Jesus is saying to him again, kill and eat. you got to do this. Because you're going to be reaching Gentiles with the gospel. And then, of course, Paul starts that whole business of, and, and, and they get over it. They get over it and they start realizing that everybody is fair game with the gospel. Jews first, yes, but everybody is fair game and aren't we glad here this morning that everybody is fair game with the gospel because somebody told us. Somebody let us know that even though we may not have any bloodline connection with the word of God, with the law of God, with the promises of God, through Jesus Christ, the one who, the, the son of God who came in to the Jewish line, he came to save not only Jews, but also Gentiles. He came to to help Gentile mothers just like he had been helping Jewish mothers. He came to meet needs of Gentiles just like he meets the needs of Jews. Yes, he wants us to be evangelizing and, and witnessing to Jews and Gentiles alike. But we also need to celebrate the fact that he opened up the way On a day like this entire, he opened up the way for people like us to be able to become his children. Thank God for that woman, for her wisdom, for her courage to stand up and say, yeah, but even dogs get the crumbs. Well, I want to tell you something. The crumbs that we have received are great morsels of great nutrition because we have received as Gentiles the Lord Jesus Christ. Jewish, yes, but here to reach all of us. And so, you may be a Gentile here this morning, who has not yet received Christ. We learned this morning, you can. You should. He's the Savior. And he's able and willing to forgive you of all of your sins, regardless of what they are, regardless of what you may have said about him in the past. He's willing to forgive every sin. If you, like this woman, will believe that he's the one. It doesn't require a ceremony. It doesn't even require a certain prayer. It requires you to believe in him as the one that the the word of God promised would come. Maybe that's you this morning. This would be a great day, a great way for you to start this 2023 by believing in Jesus, becoming a child of God and learning the promises that he's made so that you can live this life in spite of its difficulties, in in spite of its obstacles, in spite of its hardships, You can live this life for his glory, knowing that he has everything under control and he's going to use you for the rest of your life to shine brightly for him, giving you a purpose that you've never had before. Oh, you've had it, you just didn't realize it. That's why he made you. If you're already a believer in Christ here this morning, Jewish or Gentile, be grateful. Be grateful for the great love of God. This this is such a great picture of God's grace. Remember what grace is? It's his gift. Undeserved, this woman did not deserve Jesus to heal her daughter and to to save her soul. She didn't deserve it. She was a, a rotten, rebellious Gentile. Know anybody like that? That was us. We didn't deserve it, any more than she did. But Jesus, as he poured out his grace in her life, has poured his grace out in our life. And that's one of the things that we do on Sunday mornings. And remember, the reason we meet on Sunday mornings is because of Jesus. He rose again from the dead on Sunday morning. We worship him on that day to remember what he has done for us. Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. Bulldog or yellow jacket, it doesn't matter. Whatever might have used to have divided people, race, language, religion, it doesn't matter. Everybody who believes in Jesus is saved, is forgiven of their sins, and is given the gift of eternal life. That is something to celebrate. That is something to dig into, and that is something to share with others. There are people in your life that think they are too far gone in sin to be forgiven by God. They haven't heard your story because you were too, but none of us are too far gone for God. Let's bow together in prayer.